0: If you will, join me in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. We are making our way through. The next few weeks, we may be wrapping up the book of 1 Peter. I've enjoyed it. Have have you guys been enjoying 1 Peter? I've been really enjoying going through it. I've learned a lot in going through it. Now, today we're going to be focusing on chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to have a key verse that we're really going to focus on, um, and it's found in verse 10. There's a phrase in there that I really want us to drive home this morning, and it says that as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manyfold grace of God. So, as good stewards of the manyfold grace of God. Now, if we're really paying attention, and we look around in our lives and we look at every area of our lives, we can see God's, God's grace is present. I mean, just the simple things of life, the ability to wake up and breathe air is a gift of God's grace. Everything that we deal with in our families, in our churches, in our work, in every place that we turn our face and our eyes and gaze upon, we will see the face of God and how he is gracious. In everything, God is gracious. And because of that gift of grace, I believe that we have a responsibility to be good stewards of the grace that God has given us. The many-fold grace that God has, which means it's just a multifaceted graciousness that God has generously poured out on this world. God is so gracious. And because he's given us that grace, I believe that we as believers and followers of Jesus must be good stewards of that grace. Now, in life, if I may illustrate this in a a certain way. Now, in life, we receive and we also give gifts. Now, sometimes those gifts, when they're given or received, there's a certain expectation on how that gift should be used. And the expectation is that the one that receiving the gift will be good stewards of that said gift. You know, just... For example, say that someone comes up to you and says, look, I need some help, I need some money to pay my electric bill. Okay, I would love to help you. How much is your electric bill? It's $150. Well, here's $250. It's a gift. You don't have to pay me back. Pay your electric bill and maybe get some groceries and whatever you may need. Now, the expectation of the gift gifter is that they will be good stewards of that and pay their electric bill and also use it in a way that will help them. Now, if the recipient of that gift squanders it away on things that are unimportant, then they would not have been good stewards of that and handled that responsibly. Now, also, there's another way that we can illustrate this, is some teenagers get a car as a gift. Now, that's a really nice gift to get. But also, with the reception of that gift, there are certain expectations in how you will use that gift. There's expectations that we'll use that to transport you from point A to point B to go back from home to school to work and to, and to play. but However, that gift is not, is not given, you, given to you for the purpose of you to go drag racing and street racing like I did with mine. It's to be used with a, with a certain um, expectation to take care of it. You know, to be a good steward of that gift would be to drive it very nicely, to change the oil when it needs to be changed, to put gas in it, to rotate the tires, to keep it clean, and to be good stewards of that car. You know, if you've received something as a gift, it's a good thing to be a good steward of that. Also, it can be done with time. You know, as, our, as we were whenever we were younger, we got later curfews. And in all reality, you know, we knew that there were boundaries. But however, when we're away from mom and dad, the choice is ours. We can do whatever we want to do. Now, there's certain consequences if we get found out. But however, you're given that as a gift, as a responsibility, and you're expected to be, be good stewards of that extra time that you have and not, being, and, and not use that extra time to get into some craziness. Um, even, you know, the, the choice to being allowed to date you know, you have certain boundaries with certain expectations. Therefore, be good stewards with that responsibility. And even as a, maybe a parent leaving a business to a child, you know, we want to pass that on to you, and it's ex- with a certain expectation that they will be good stewards of that. Now, this is not a perfect example or perfect examples of what it means to be good stewards of God's grace, but there is no question about the fact that God has been generous in gifting us grace. Something we haven't deserved, but He has given it to us, and we see here that we should be good stewards of the many-fold grace of God with what he has given us. Now, there's three main areas that we're going to be talking about today as far as God's graciousness, and, um, and, and being good stewards of his grace. Let's see, went backwards. There we go. It's been a while since I've used it, so I'm just trying to get back, back in the swing of things with my clicker. So being good stewards of God's grace is what we want to focus on today. Now, there's three areas that I want us to see within this passage. Now, within these three general areas, there are a lot of details that can go underneath these general areas of being good stewards of God's grace. Now, the first thing that I want us to see here is that we need to be good stewards of God's grace of liberty and freedom and the ability to choose to serve him as opposed to fulfilling the will of the Gentiles. We see in verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, and and he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh of the lust of men, but for the will of God. He should no longer live for the flesh in the lust of men, but for the will of God. Now, the first thing that we're told there is that we need to adopt the mind of Christ, now in the context of what we're talking about here, whenever we go from ver- chapter 3 to verse 4, it's in the context of suffering. So yes, we ought to um, So we ought to adopt the mon- mind of Christ in that we are willing to suffer for righteousness' sake, to suffer in or- while we are completing the will of God in our minds. But going in through chapter 4, we see that we need to adopt the, the, the mind of Christ in that we are going to fulfill the will of God as opposed to, to fulfilling the fleshly desires and the will of our own flesh. He says, For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, and, he who, and that he should no longer live in the rest of his life in the flesh for the lust of men, but you should do it for the will of God. There's a big contrast there. Now here's what one commentary said on this particular passage. It says, The Christian is by faith one with Christ. Okay, that's your identity. That's who you are. You are now one with Christ, joint heirs to the very throne of God, the the co-worker with Christ, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. You are one with Christ. As in Christ, by death, is judicially freed from sin, so the Christian who is in the person of Christ has died. Therefore, you have no more to do with sin judicially, In other words, the sin price, the sin debt has been paid for you. The wrath of God has come down on Jesus Christ for the sins of the world and our sins. And because we are judicially freed from sin, we ought to have nothing to do with sin actually. We have been been freed from sin, therefore we should not engage in sinful behavior. Period. If we are are of the mind of Christ and following, following Christ, we should no longer Live the rest of our time in the flesh for the lust of men, but we should use our time to fulfill the will of God in our lives. So we should be good stewards of the liberty that God has given us. Now, if we go back to 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse, let's go ahead and start in verse 15 and verse 16. And we see this here, the same thing. It says, For this is the will of God that by doing you may put to silent the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice or an excuse for sinful behavior. Don't use your liberty as, for reasons to commit sinful behavior, but, but to be a bondservant of God. Use your liberty to freely serve and follow God and fulfill the will of God as opposed to the will of the flesh. Be good stewards of the liberty that God has given you. And why? Why should we do that? Let's kind of justify this. Let's take a look at verse three. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. We've done enough. When it comes to sin, have we done enough? Have we done enough? When we look on the face of our Savior on the cross of Calvary and we see what he is suffering because of our sinful behavior, haven't we done enough? You know, whenever we're faced with a temptation and and walking away from God and walking out of the will of God, we need to ask ourselves the question, yes, what would Jesus do? But truly, let's ask ourselves the question, haven't I done enough? Haven't we done enough in our past lifetime in fulfilling the will of the Gentiles? Enough is enough. It says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness and lusts and drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable, abominable idolatries. Haven't we done enough? Haven't we lived in sin enough and now since we maybe get tired... I think we as Christians need to get tired of fulfilling the will of the flesh and the will of the pagans and the will of the world. I believe there's a time we should get tired of that and seek to fulfill the will of God in our lives as opposed to fulfilling the flesh and the will of the world. We've done enough. Too often do do I hear the unsaved people, and speaking to the unsaved community, they refuse to give up their sin and repent. Why? Because they haven't had enough of the world. They refuse to turn away from that because that's where their life and their happiness and their joy is found is in doing the will of the world, doing the will of the Gentiles. And sadly to say that even some Christians, <laughs> I, was in, I was in a conversation not too long ago about someone who had lived and grew up in church and done everything that they needed to do in church and, and lived out. Now they've come to a point in their adult life where they feel like they've been robbed for whatever reason. And they want to experience the things that the world has to throw at them. But then you've got to ask yourself the question, I mean, haven't we done enough? So we have spent enough of our time doing the will of the Gentiles when we've done those sinful things? And in all reality, whenever we see the price that Christ has paid for us, if we are Christ in Christ and that our sins have been forgiven and that that we are joint heirs to the very throne of God, that we have an eternal inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by by your faith in salvation, which is being revealed to you in the last day. We've gained all of these things by God's grace, and yet haven't we done enough? It's time that we get serious about living for Christ, and we should no longer live for the rest of our time for the flesh, but for the will of God. We have done enough. I have sinned enough. This brings an illustration to mind. that I may have shared with you before, I don't know. But it brings home the point. You know, there's a restaurant owner, pretty successful restaurant owner. He had a few stores or a few restaurants. And as he was out in the back and he was cleaning up the trash from behind the, behind the um, restaurant, he noticed there was this poor man poorly dressed, you know, pilfering through the garbage. And he's looking for something to eat. It's just part of his daily routine. He would pil- pilfer through the garbage at different restaurants and whatever he could find that was edible that he would eat. And that's how he would survive. And the restaurant owner comes up to this young man and he says, don't eat that stuff. Put that down. That's full of maggots and bugs and the cats have been in here and the dogs have come around and they've done their thing with it. So, so don't, don't eat that. Come with me. And he takes this man and he walks him into the very front door of his restaurant. And as soon as they open the door, they, they he has the smell of this freshly prepared food that, y'all know what I'm talking about. And he tells the young man, he says, "Look, I want you to come here every day and eat off of my buffet, free of charge. Don't worry about the cost. I've been very successful, but this is yours for you to take and for you to eat." And as the young man looked around and as as the smell of the, the delicate meats and the fresh salad bar and the desserts and the ice cold drinks and the coffee that could be served and the clean plates and the forks that he could eat off of, he looks around and says, really, I can have all of this? He said, yeah, absolutely, it's yours, you can eat it. He goes, well, thank you, I'll take you up on it. But I got one more question, can I still go eat garbage? what sense does that make? You've got the ability to eat from the buffet, but yet you're wanting to go back out into the garbage. Whenever we as believers of Christ, whenever we come into the family of God through through what Christ has done on the cross, we're we're being offered a much better life to live. Yes, it may cost, and yes, it may bring pain, and yes, it may bring suffering. But going back to our sinful ways of life is like going back to the garbage. So my question is, haven't we gone through the garbage enough? Is your, is your soul satisfied with the amount of sin that you've already committed that you don't need to go do it anymore? We must be good stewards of the liberty that Christ has given to us. Back in 2.16, as free, yet using, not using liberty as a cloak for a vice, but as a bondservant of God. Be good stewards of that liberty that God has given you. But often whenever we exercise that liberty, like I said, you know, everything is not che- sunshine and cherries and roses when it comes to living in this world and following Jesus Christ. We've, we've just went over several different areas about, about the suffering that comes when following Christ. In verse 4 it says, In regard to these, they think it's strange. So in regard to these behaviors, the Gentiles think that it is strange that you do not run with them in the flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Have you ever noticed that the world kind of thinks it's strange? Whenever you want to follow Jesus in certain areas of your life, they think it's strange whenever things are done in such ways. And especially if you live that lifestyle along with them, and then you've come to know Christ as your personal Savior, and then you've rejected that lifestyle, and now they are speaking evil against you. Why? Oh, you, you're too good, right? You're too good to hang out with me. No, it's not that I'm too good to hang out with you, but my God's grace is too good to be abused. God's grace is too good for me to be a bad steward of it. Therefore, I no longer engage in that type of behavior. But yet, they don't understand because it's strange to them. When they look at people making decisions for Christ, they think it's strange. Whenever a student or parent with students Choose, choose to go to church and church events over sports. They think it's strange. Isn't this important to you? Yes, church is very important to me. Therefore, I choose. Whenever older people and adults and young adults, they, they give up time out of their vacation to go do mission efforts, maybe volunteer at a church camp. They think that's strange. We see college students, you know, choosing a Christian organization that has been established there on campus as opposed to going and engaging in these sexually explicit drunken parties at the frat houses. Yet they think it's strange that you don't go and run with them in that type of dispensation. Not dispensation, but dissipation, yeah. The word dissipation simply means a harmful self-indulgence. The world thinks it's strange that we do that. But my question is, is that are you at a point that you have done enough? That you can say, look, I have done enough, and enough is enough, therefore I'm no longer going to fulfill the lust of my flesh or the will of the Gentiles, but I'm going to ful- choose to fulfill the will of God in my life because I have done enough. Christ has paid for my sin debt. And for me to willingly choose to go against God in his will and his word is a willful choice to choose to fulfill the will of the Gentiles and trample on the blood of Jesus Christ. But they find it strange and they speak evil against you. And in verse 5, it says, And they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The Gentiles will give, a, will give an account. Everyone will stand before God, whether you're alive in the Spirit or dead in the Spirit. You're going to stand before God one day and be judged. In verse 6, we're not going to touch on it quite yet. We'll come back to it. But we'll go ahead and read through. It says, For this reason the gospel was preached to those who are also dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh and be alive according to God in the Spirit. So what we need to understand coming this far is that in order to be a good steward of the manyfold grace of God, Peter is encouraging his readers here to be of the same mind of Christ and seek to fulfill the will of God and not the will of the Gentiles. How are you handling the grace of liberty? Are you using it as a cloak for a vice or as an excuse to sin? Or are we using that freedom to become a bondservant to our living God, to bring him honor and glory? Be good stewards of the liberty that he has given us. Secondly, what we want to see is that we need to be good stewards of God's grace of our abilities. I just noticed that steward s of God's grace. Yeah, I need somebody to proof that for me. But we need to be stewards not only of the liberty that He has given us, but we need to use the liberty that He has given us not only to not only to fulfill the will of God and the calling on our lives, but we should also use our abilities to honor and glorify God. Look at verse 7. It says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. That's a big one. We'll get back to it. As, if one, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manyfold grace of God. Back to verse 7. But at the end of all things is at hand. I don't know when Jesus Christ is coming back. It appears it's going to be soon, but that's what every generation has said since Jesus Christ has has gone and ascended. But regardless, we should be living our lives as if the end of all things is at hand. What's more important? Living for Christ and honoring and glorifying Him and building up His kingdom? I would think so, because that's what we're going to step into whenever we step into eternity. This life, at best, is a vapour. This life, at best, is a blip in history to eternity. So which reality are we going to be living for? This physical reality here on earth or the reality of eternity with Jesus Christ? Which one is more important? When you live for this world, you will fulfill the will of the Gentiles. But whenever you live for for the kingdom and the glorification of God through Jesus Christ, you live for the next life. And he's saying here, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and be very watchful in your prayers. It's time to get real, is it not? Christians, it's time to step up, is it not? Look at our world. It's falling apart. It's falling apart. We have a big job to do. It's time for us to really focus on what is important, focus on what, is, what, is, what really, really matters in this life, and seek to fulfill the will of God. And be a good, good steward of God's grace and our abilities and use that for the kingdom's glory. So when it comes to using our abilities, there's no question that God has graced this world with people and their abilities. And I don't care where you look. In the lost world and in the saved world, we can see amazing abilities out there. Think of some of the, the great bands that, that are still playing and some, some of the past. Some of the most phenomenal guitar players and drummers and singers but their music is anything but godly. But however, an incredible ability. I believe that's a God-given ability that's being misused and mishandled by those. It could be used for God's glory. But when it comes to our abilities, it's time to get serious. It's time for us to be intentional and we do, we're to use those in order to minister to one another. But let's go back to verse 8. It says, and above all things, have a fervent love for one another. Now, fervent love for one another. Remember, that's a very active thing. Love is very active. It tells the truth. It confronts, it confronts evil. It, conf- it confronts the lies of the world. It's a very active thing. And our love for other people will cover a multitude of their sins. Our, our, our love for them, we shouldn't allow their sinful behavior to stop us from reaching out and to teaching them and telling them the truth and loving them. Our love should reach out to the world. And, we should, and in reaching out, we should use our abilities in doing so. In verse 9, it says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Now, that's the big one, right? Now, I, I know and I understand that some people require a little bit more maintenance than others. I get it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, but nobody's laughing, right? In dealing with people and dealing with the world and reaching the world and to be hospitable to a world, it seems to be unappreciative and and doesn't doesn't even want to give Christianity a second look. But be hospitable, loving one another, and do it without grumbling. Now, whenever we find ourselves grumbling about ministering and loving and being hospitable, we find ourselves grumbling at our focus is on the wrong thing, or maybe the wrong person. Because if we're focusing on the person who really doesn't deserve the, the hospitality or the love or anything like that, we can usually come back with a bad attitude. But if we apply the teaching of Scripture, and that everything that we do, we do it wholeheartedly unto the Lord as uh, everything we do, we do it as unto God rather than unto men it would be very difficult for us to grumble about doing anything as if God doesn't deserve our efforts. But God does deserve our efforts. So we can do this without grumbling whenever we see every opportunity to be hospitable, to be loving, to minister to someone by using our talents and our abilities as a way to glorify God through Jesus Christ because it is him who deserves all of it. So we should be Good stewards of God's grace in the freedom and in our abilities that God has given you for His honor and for His glory. And lastly, we need to be good stewards of God's grace of the gospel. If you think about it, how gracious is God to give us the gospel? The gospel message. How gracious is it, God, that he would, he would inspire men to write down the New Testament and commission us or them with the, with the commission to evangelize the world which is passed down to us. That same gospel message that he delivered to the apostles is the same gospel message that we ourselves are to be speaking and proclaiming. But are we being good stewards of the gospel? with the gospel message. I'm not, saying, are we, are we, I'm, not, I'm not asking the question, are we being good, attentive church members? What I'm saying is, are we being good stewards of the gospel of Jesus? And I will say that if any church anywhere in the world, completely, this, is, this is blankets everyone, if that church has reserved the preaching of the gospel to be at the pulpit of that church, they are not handling the gospel properly. They're not being good stewards of the gospel message if it is limited to the preaching at the pulpit. In verse 11, it says that if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let let him do it as if with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. We have been given the gospel message for a reason. It's not just to take it and hide it in our hearts and to never let it out. For many of us, we have done just that. We have received the message of the gospel. We've repented of our sins and trusted Christ as our personal Savior um, and and claiming the inheritance that Christ has delivered for us on our behalf by his death on the cross, but yet we've failed to share it to even one person, that same gospel message. That's a horrible message stewardship of the gospel message. Would you agree? Yes. This is a message that we have been commissioned to give to the world. Are we being good stewards with it? Back to verse 6. Actually, back to verse 5. It says, they, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The reality is that everyone will stand before God in judgment Jesus Christ will judge every single one. He will resurrect the dead. He will judge them according to their sins and cast them into the lake of fire forever. We have a responsibility to preach the gospel to those people that they may hear and respond and repent of their sins and trust in Jesus as their Savior. We have that responsibility. In verse 6 it says, For this reason... The gospel was preached also to those who are dead. So why are they preaching the gospel to the dead? So that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, just what we talked about before, that they too may be standing before the Gentiles and them speaking evil against them. But regardless of whether they're guilty before man, it goes on to say that but they live according to God in the spirit. Yes, they may come to Christ and in this world get, get ridiculed and, get, and be judged by men in the flesh. But they preach the gospel to them that, they, that though that may happen, they will be alive in God, they will be alive in the spirit according to God. How are we handling the gospel message? Too often do we hear Christians talk about, I'm just not good at that. Yes, I'm going to replay what I've already said in the past. Many Christians will say, look, I'm not good at preaching the gospel. I'm not really good at that. Well, I want you to understand, if if you already recognize that, you have recognized a folly and a weakness in your spiritual walk, and you need to fix it. When you have the opportunities to to go through training or to a class, and you realize, that's something that I'm weak in, that's something that I could really use, it would be your responsibility to take up in that class. The resources are free on on the internet. You can learn so much about how to share your faith. There's just really no excuse for us as believers in today's world to not know how to preach the gospel. And if we don't know how, then we have a personal responsibility in our spiritual growth to take to, uh, to take up and to learn how to do it. Because if we don't, if we just allow somebody else to do it, then are we being good stewards of the gospel? No, I don't, I don't think we are. So as we take time to prepare for an invitation today, let's ask ourselves a question. In verse 10, as good stewards of the, minis- the manyfold grace of God, in these areas, are we really good stewards? Are we using our days and choosing to seek out the will of God and to fulfill it as opposed to fulfilling the will of our flesh and the will of the world? Are we using our abilities, whether they may be great or whether they may be few, are you using what you have, your abilities, talents, and resources to glorify Jesus Christ and his kingdom? And how are we doing with the gospel? I mean, it's just really simple to answer that question. If you're not preaching the gospel, then you're not being good stewards of it. So during this time of invitation, if God has spoken to you in a certain way, I pray that you'll get right with the Lord And say, God, speak to me and show me how I can be a better steward of your grace. So let's stand, let's have a hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many-fold grace that you have bestowed upon us in this life. And Father, though your your grace is a wonderful thing to experience, it's a wonderful way to live. Father, may we never take it for granted. May we never fail in being good stewards of that grace.